Jones will give it to Stevenson. He started right. He runs it up the middle. Hit by Chandler. Jones slips. They hit across the 45 with a stiff arm. Off a tackle at the 40. He lost the football. And Jacoby Myers picks it up. He circles back and he throws it across the field. Oh Jones God. is picked up by Chandler Jones. He breaks away to the 30. He runs to the 20. He runs to the 10. He runs to the end zone. Back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Can't play those enough. That was the Patriots Radio Network. The good nights from Scott Zolak, who certainly loves when the Patriots win and loves to rub it in. And you could feel the pain in his voice there, the frustration. Uh, Bob Sochi on the call, again, on the Pats Radio Network. We'll have more of their analysis at the end of the game because they were shocked, just like we were shocked, just like you were shocked. Crazy, crazy stuff yesterday. Uh, Adam and Willie still trying to sort through it. They were there. Willie was actually in the bathroom during the call, which is that that's a great story forever. And why wouldn't you be? I mean, nothing's going to happen there. It's just a, a dopey play at the end of the game. Run out the clock and let's go to overtime. But uh, the masterminds with the Patriots completely freaking blew it. And then they've got their players out front, like hometown hero Ramondre Stevenson, who's all of what twenty four years old, and instead of mumbling like uh, Belichick did through half of his press conference after a devastating loss. Or where, where, By the way, was Patricia available? He wasn't. A, no. I don't think coordinators ever. Not ever. Shouldn't he be that uh, in that moment? Uh, if you're asking me, I think coordinators should talk. Every player should talk. I think everyone should Wasn't talk. that the same guy as a Detroit Lions head coach who walked into a press conference looking like an absolute hobo and looked at someone in the front row and told the guy to stop slouching? That yeah. guy wants accountability, doesn't he? Where are you, Matt Patricia? I just saw someone on Twitter was like, uh, hey, Belichick, his head should roll for this. No, no. Like, we can all get on Bill Belichick. He's the greatest coach in NFL history. He's earned more than enough, even though he's been an arrogant horse's ass here and put Patricia in a bad spot. Uh, frankly, it would, it, would, it screw, would it screw the Patriots if Patricia came out tomorrow and he's like, you know what? I suck at this. I resign. I'm sorry. That play is indicative of the poor job I did this year. I will do anything Bill Belichick wants, but I cannot hold this position for the rest of the season. I resign. It would be hilarious, but I, I don't know if it would what purpose it would serve necessarily. I, I do. I do want to send a message that there's some accountability aside. Aside from the players, here's Ramondre Stevenson, our hometown guy, having to sit there like really. And and Stevenson didn't do anything. Listen, should he just go down? Probably. He had a little blip in this where he pitched the ball back. And Jacoby Myers is trying to throw a pass uh, lateral backwards. Here's Stevenson, young guy, and he's like, all right, you know what? I'll take some blame. I mean, the play call is just a draw play. And, mm, I mean, nothing more, nothing less than that. I, I'm, I'm supposed to know the situation. I'm supposed to know, you know, how much how much time's on the clock and, you know, critical situations. And, you know, I, I failed to do that today. Okay. So he failed to do it. So – I, I want to finish my thought. We, were, we we finished up this conversation before uh, during the first hour, but the in terms of the coaching and the, the what you do on this play, like it's a draw play. You call a draw play. They run the draw play. Like the coach, you know, I was just watching the the little brief documentary the other day about the Jim Marshall play. Like, is the coach's prob- responsibility to be like, hey, run that way? Like, is that a coach's responsibility when you you run that? Our end zone is there. Run there. Is that on the coach? Because it's it's very similar to me. Like, there's no point that you know, a coach needs to say, the, don't throw the left. On the Jim Marshall play, which you get a turnover and he goes the other way because he, he, he just gets discombobulated, 
Like, would you have changed history if you were a coach on the sideline and you ran out and tackled them? Like, what could they do? They can't give the other team a – They can't. It's oh, a they rule. can. It's a rule. I actually – If uh, you stop, like, yeah, I was if you stop this. a play, they can award a touchdown to so, the other team? I'll tell you why I was researching this. Uh, because of the Seahawks play. So, in a situation like that, we talked with the Seahawks play where the guy ran on the field during the Raiders game. Um, in a situation like that, the rule does call for, and I, I wish I could remember the name of the rule, it's in extreme circumstances of outside interference. Oh. They oh. can rule anything up to including a touchdown. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Okay, well, they had a chance to implement that this weekend. Why didn't they do it? Wait, when? Stop throwing snowballs or else. They did. Or else. They stopped else. the game and said it's 15-yard penalty if you do it again. Dolphins scored a touchdown after Ahmed goes into the end zone. There's still snowballs coming at him. That's it. Game's over. Or tell them, every time a snowball comes on the field, it's a penalty against the Bills. It's 15 yards. And the Bills can play the entire game with their back against the goal line. Well, I, I would love that, uh, and I obviously... Find my flaw in that, because I tweeted out my flaw. Well, I know what the flaw is, because what? I would have done it, and I saw fans doing it. If you're a Dolphins fan, you're throwing snowballs right away. Yep. I saw them doing it. Yeah. They were doing it. So, yeah, I mean, that that's the flaw with that, is that the other team's fans can then be like, all right, really cool, let's keep, throwing, let's keep doing it. Here, here's the real flaw. One, clear the stadium. Spend the money and clear the stadium. Remove the game to the next day. Screw TV. And the other one is, and of course, you know, this is another one I sent out. Maybe with a, a the stands full of snow and a crowd with a reputation for being complete animals, don't sell drinks. <laughs> well, but they'll never do that. They'll if the solution in the NFL yeah. at a game to stop outlandish behavior or violence is cut off the beer and the liquor, no way. Well, you really can't, especially because of how much how much advertising money you get. And if you make that decision, you're blaming people's horrific behavior on alcohol, and then you're basically pointing a finger at one of your biggest sponsors. So you really can't do that. Well, Qatar had no problem doing it. Sure. But they, I don't, they did have a problem I don't want the it. Qataris running sports. Well, they killed, I don't they, want us running sports like Yeah, they killed the thousands of people, allegedly. To get the stadiums done. Sure. I mean, if, that, if that's the rules we want, then fine. But kudos to Ramondre for stepping up. And, you know, to your point, Patricia doesn't have to speak. The OC doesn't have to speak. 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 God, there's not, nothing... You know, nothing drives me more batty in sports is coaches who preach one thing and well, practice another. Well, we know another. they speak tomorrow. We know for a fact because that's why the yep. Raiders are speaking tomorrow, uh, coordinators, because that's how they do it in New England. So, But didn't – wait, didn't – if I'm not – did they change this? Because I know one of the reasons they didn't actually announce Patricia as offensive coordinator is two reasons. One, uh, for a pay structure. Two, because then if he's a coordinator, he has to speak every week. So I thought, is he actually the offensive coordinator now? I don't think he is. No. So, so I don't think he has to speak. So he doesn't have to speak. Yeah. And I think that's part of why they did it, honestly. And at the time, that's that's what I had said. And, and also it was the uh, the money because I think the Lions still have to pay him as long as he's not a coordinator. So they didn't make him a coordinator so he doesn't have to speak and the Lions still have to pay him. Uh, I hadn't even thought of that angle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great. So not That's only the not way. only yeah that is the Patriot way not only fearing accountability but also willing to freaking fleece and rip off another organization. Shocker, smart. I wonder who he learned that from. I learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> learned it from watching you, Daddy Bill. Sweethearts, so satisfying yesterday. 
So satisfying. Listen to the full call here of uh, Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy, and we get some holiday greetings in. Raiders only have three up by the line of scrimmage. Mac Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson. Breaks out of a tackle at the 50. Has the 45. Breaks away from another tackle. Pitches it backwards. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. And a step forward. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. He scores. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe what I just saw. Again. I can't believe what I just saw. This is unbelievable. <laughs> wow. On the first night of Hanukkah, it's a miracle in Las Vegas. Chandler Jones picks off a lateral, and the Raiders win 30-24. to I like that Adam shakes his head every time he hears the call. It's, it's I, like this is so nuts. Well, it was a nightmare yesterday yeah. for me. I, I know, I know, work wise, but fans don't care. <laughs> no, they want to see moments like this. I know. Well, it, so look, this, I do. I do too. It, yeah. it was an unbelievable thing to be a part of. It's just when you have a story to file right at the end of the game, which has to be the end with like three minutes within like three minutes of the end. These things are, and it just keeps. It happened last week. It happened this week. It's every game with this team. Yeah. It's unreal. And the Raiders, the Raiders may have. I mean, this is going to sound like a weird way to say it. The Raiders may have the greatest collection of insane plays of any organization in the history of the NFL. You mentioned it earlier about zero seconds on the clock scores. There's been three in history. Yeah, fumble recoveries with zero time left on the clock to end a game to change. And technically, the, change yesterday the that was a fumble recovery. It's not yeah. an interception. Yeah. Right. The last one was 1978, the Holy Roller, which, by the way, was just the Raiders cheating. Right. It was, was just that's, completely that's illegal play. There's been three, but, and they've been a part of two. But we'll have the discussion all week long about the Immaculate Reception, which a lot of people still believe, especially the Raiders, that shouldn't have counted. it shouldn't have counted. So. And you got the tuck. And the Raiders were on the wrong side of the tuck rule, which is still one of the most abhorrent things that's ever happened in, in the league. It was the right call. Eh. The right call. Bad rule, right call. Right. And it's been rectified. I know Raiders fans don't like that. It was it was the correct call. So yeah, it was. And uh, Derek Carr brought that up during during yesterday. Hey, look, Tuck rule. This is, this is did you did you the then argue with him about how at the time technically it was the right call? It didn't see the right. I'll, I'll do it. Right, in the locker rain room. on their parade I'll at do that it in moment. The locker room. Well, I I think I was <laughs> I think I was a little bit anyway. I mean, look, I I was I was very happy with Josh McDaniels today in terms of how he addressed the situation, basically just saying. Look, we didn't play well. We didn't make a play. Like, I mean, Chandler kind of made a play, but it's not like we made some great play to win a game. We committed 13 penalties, didn't do anything offensively in the second half until the last drive, and took advantage of a gift. So, like, let's not get carried away celebrating some unbelievable performance that we had at the end of the game. It was a gift. And I I think that's the right way to look at it. What did you think of the timing with uh, Jason Horowitz getting in Hanukkah? How good is that? Perfect. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. Well, I had seen a thread on the well, – I didn't see it, but the SO did – on the Chargers fa- um, Instagram, and they had wished Happy Hanukkah, and it turned into a thread of just arguing. People were mad that they didn't say Merry Christmas. Well, it's not, it's it's not yet. Christmas. It just it's started. Next week. Hanukkah just started. Yeah. It's next week. I know. It's, uh, and then somehow it got into ripping on the – religious persuasion of many of the NFL owners. This is where we are now. You you cannot 
nobody asked about not wish, start, you know, the happy uh, wishes toward Kwanzaa or nothing like that's, that. That's after. I think that starts like the twenty seventh. Right. I think well, I somebody somebody complained that they didn't say early. Merry Christmas. So. I, I will say, in props, I covered the Las Vegas Bowl on Saturday. Uh, the Oregon State star Jack Coletto, who uh, was wished a Merry Christmas as he left the stage, said he stopped and he's like, "Thank you." And then he turns around, "Happy Holidays." I was like, "Good job, good job." Be more inclusive. Take care of it. I like that. There are people driving out the road right now in anger. <laughs> I loved it. It was a great moment yesterday. It was wild for so many reasons. How about how about Lincoln's uh, hint of Vin Scully? I don't believe what I just saw. Wasn't that what he? Wasn't that what Vince Kelly said on the Kirk Gibson shot? Was it him or was it uh, Jack Buck? Who said I don't believe what I just saw on Kirk Gibson's home run? I think it was Jack Buck. It was it Jack Buck? Yeah. Okay, close. But I'm not saying Somewhere. it with 99, 100% certainty. No, but I think it was Buck. Do you think he was actually thinking of that, or he no. just, it was a general no, 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 moment no. where he's like, yeah, yeah, like no. he literally did not believe what he yeah, just saw. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'll say on, uh, I, I did, did. As I said, at rewriting the story, I went with the Christmas lead. Not the Hanukkah lead, which is probably probably the wrong move. I probably should have gone to Hanukkah. I wasn't aware that it was the first day of Hanukkah, so I would have I would have gone in that direction. But I said, you know, a, a week early Christmas present for the Raiders. You guys got to come up with a name. Someone's got to come up with a good name. I think lateral damage is lateral damage is eh. the gift. Just the gift. <laughs> the gift. Yeah, not the gif or jif. No, the gift. Gift. Yeah. Present. It was a gift. I mean, if Stanford Cal can be the play, the gift. I still feel like Belichick's got a Hanukkah to it, so people never forget it was Belichick's team but and was, his guys. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if you're allowed to say that. Jacoby's Jack Wait, Blankery? What? Jack Blankery? I, uh, what, Jack Assery? Yes. I don't I, think that's Jacobi, a real word. Jacoby's Jackassery. Jacoby's Jack. I thought it But was who's going to know who Jacoby is? You'll remember now. I, I feel like there's something with the attorneys, Jacoby and Myers and something. I don't know. Maybe there's something there. No one ever thinks of that? Be. It could be. Okay. I thought, uh, just for a joke, I thought it would have been fantastic if everybody went out to Chandler's locker and he turned around and said, I'm not talking until Friday. Uh, <laughs> Too inside. But, yeah, I, yes, that's uh, Chandler Jones every week. Whenever you talk to, talk to him in the locker room, he says, I talk Fridays, and then doesn't show up on Fridays, which is a great move. Yeah, that is good. Uh, I like it. Uh, but, yeah, he, he actually did speak yesterday. As so, did Keelan Cole, who never wants to speak either. Willie, his vantage point was the bathroom, and he heard it happen because he had gone to take a, well, pe- no, a pee break, I assume. to see the end of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, was there a player who dipped in the back? Yeah. So, uh, as we talked to Denzel Perriman about his vantage point of the celebration – and the, you know, what was it like? How was it like on the field? He said, I'm not going to lie. As he's running back, I had to go real bad. So as he was running to the end zone, everybody else was sprinting to the corner to celebrate. I ran right by them all and went into the bathroom in the locker room and then joined, the, joined my teammates for the celebration afterwards. But he said he just went right to the locker room because he had to go so badly. He's like, I couldn't stick around for that. I had to go. So 20 years from now, like, you were part of one of the, the greatest plays in the history of the NFL. Kind of. No idea. <laughs> kind of. I heard, I I heard a roar. I was there. Well, it's their fault. They made the, they made this, this stadium way too convenient. The bathroom's way too close. Well, Denzel Perriman and Willie are on the same urine schedule. Yes. I mean, you got to go at some point, unless you're Adam and I, and we just well, hold. We're like freaking. Well, far be it for me to who think that they may kneel on the ball or just like do the right thing. Just hit the line stream and go down. But 
it's Ramondre almost broke it. He did. Well, not really. Not, almost. It would have been. It got a little bit dangerous. It would have been. Ra- it would have been Raiders esque if he would have broke it. <laughs> and you're right. It is funny that they had uh, they had guys who are not used to making tackles on the field. You want to repeat that again? Yeah, Mac Hollins was playing deep safety on the play, and he thought there's no way anything's going to happen. And all of a sudden, Ramondre breaks like three tackles, and he starts looking around, saying, "Wait, yeah. I'm supposed to tackle him." Yeah. Do you want me to go make this? 5'11", 232 might be coming at yeah. me like a bowling ball. Yeah. Uh, okay. With a huge a huge buildup of speed, just all kinds of momentum coming straight at me, and I play wide receiver like, okay, I guess I'm going to do this. And you see him on the play. He's running over that way, but I don't think he wants any part of it. So we haven't gotten to what led up to that. This was a great comeback. Let's talk about some real problems with officials around the league. Because this wasn't the only game where people are like, what was going on this weekend with the NFL refs? Chips and queso or mozzarella bites for just 4 bucks, $5 Modellos, and plenty of other great food and drink specials. Twin Peaks in Henderson is your spot for Monday Night Football with Cofield and Company. The call on Terry. Terry seemed pretty adamant. He had pointed his hand out to the ref. What was the explanation? What did you guys see on the, on the film? It looked like Terry pointed That's his hand That's exactly out. what I thought, too. Thank you. And I got to ask about the Curtis one as well. Um, the fourth down. Uh, yeah, I mean, I again, in fact, don't ask me about the referee because I can't answer the question. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. This guy's be fired up. So does the nonsense with the officials in the Commanders and Giants game. You know, Adam talked a couple minutes ago about extreme cases in the NFL. Where it's serious action is needed. When do we get to the point where they just make them come back the next day? And play out the game the way it was supposed to be played out? It's never going to happen, is it? Uh, No. I mean, that's my pipe dream, but it's certainly never going to happen. How do you have a play that's a touchdown overturned when the receiver looks at the official multiple times to his right, McLaurin to what, the side judge, multiple times, and asks if he's okay? Apparently the guy just wouldn't answer. And then, like, was was that guy so fixated? Because he, he had his hand on his belt and the flag. Yeah. How about just tell him, you're not lined up on the line of scrimmage, move up. What are we doing here? And he was asked, and he and he still didn't answer him. And then well, they score a touchdown. Flags. Do you want? They, uh, this is going to be. No, I want. I want, I want the real answer, and and it, it'll probably get people mad. Sure. Well, it's going to be stunning. I think the refs were were right. So they don't have <laughs> to say I, anything if they want to give the silent treatment. I've, I've actually always wondered that. Can I have a timeout? Yeah. Because I've always wondered the. When a player checks with the with the official, yeah. do they have to do they have to give an answer? Do they have to tell you the, to tell you? And the answer is no. So in a, they so, don't. So in a world where well, so many why. of us this, this work why, in places though. where the culture is not my job, an official, the a side judge, could be like, "Not my job." Well, here's here's the reason why it's not because that's not the only thing you're supposed to be watching. So if there was some rule. That and I, this is it's very hard for me to defend officials in any capacity because uh, I think they're so bad and just so blatantly awful all the time. But if their only job was that, I think it would be different. But they're responsible for a couple of things motions, offsides on the defense, 
if somebody else lined up in the neutral zone, uh, uh, different uh, backfield situations that are going on. So they're, they can't ju- – if their only job was that guy and being on the line of scrimmage, then I think that they'd probably have a rule where you have to acknowledge a receiver. But what if he doesn't see him? Yeah. Like, I don't know that he saw him, to be honest. And McCorn looks over you know, and checks. That's not even the worst thing to happen because the fourth down play where there's interference, this goes back to – was it last year or two years ago? We tried to fix the game by making PIs reviewable. And, and, do it. and, and the officials went – completely rogue and were insubordinate it should have been a fireball offense offense for most of them well this this was egregious they would they would not review and when they did review it they were like it was a 99 percent no but the the issue that i had would back up the officials on the field every time we don't have that and we need it and in this case come on right but and and here's the issue because it was an egregious call no question about it nobody's going to debate it i think even giants fans would say a bad call for sure should have been called but if we're going to do my thing, which you just proposed of, hey, we're going to go back, we're going to go back earlier when the commanders fumbled and they got a break on a horrible call that they said it, was, it wasn't it was a fumble, the Giants got the ball. So now we're going to go back to that one. And when I was, when I was seeing some people point that out last night, commanders fans were like, no, no, this is the call. Focus on this. Like, no, you can't do that. It has to be every bad call. You have to look at every single one of them. You can't just pick this one and say this was bad because it was. It was awful. And if you're going to take that call on its own, absolutely. They should have a first down at the one-yard line. Let's go back and start from there. But we're going to go back earlier and say, no, we're going to start from where the commanders fumbled and they didn't call it a fumble. Wasn't so, there on, on, on the non-call, the non-PI call, wasn't there another infraction on the same play, though, away from the ball? I thought, I thought there, well, there, was a hole, there was a defensive hold also before, but it was even the same receiver. No. No, 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 no. I thought that there. I was listening to, it and I, I didn't watch the play, but I thought that there was something on the on the uh, on the offense where it would offset anyway. No, no, I don't know. It was just a bad. The guy first he held him, he held him before the throw, and then he interfered when the throw came. So it was, it was a double penalty on the defense, and they didn't call either one of them. <laughs> Neither one. <laughs> it's, it's crazy and baffling, but. And then, and then Ron Rivera is put in a position where if he said something, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Which is outrageous. Well, that's stupid. They should be able, they should be able to criticize him. Completely outrageous. Get over to Twin Peaks in Henderson for Monday Night Football. Awesome food and drink specials. Plus, Cofield and Company's Willie Ramirez will have plenty of great prizes you can win. It's Monday Night Football at Twin Peaks in Henderson. I mean, I obviously saw him catch the ball. I think the biggest thing they were trying to determine was, was there really a clear angle that you could say without a shadow of a doubt that has to be overturned? I think they were struggling with trying to determine whether or not his toe was actually on the white or did his foot hit and then, you know, eventually got to away or did it not hit the white so they just said it was inconclusive so they left it up hanging at twin peaks for monday night football it's cofield and company mcdaniel's talking about the cole touchdown which it took forever to review that one uh here is uh toucher and rich boston-based sports radio show talking about the review and if that was a complete ripoff and if the patriots got screwed by uh, having that play just confirmed, not overturned. Hey, Mike and I are looking at that touchdown they didn't reverse. I'm not positive that he was out of bounds. Yeah, I mean, that, how can you tell? You, there's and, no angle good enough to show it. And so. then they're like, well, white pellets came up. Yeah, but if I drag my foot, right. it's going to drag out of bounds. Right. 
There's no way. That's a 50-50 call. Yeah. And that's why they made that call, and they said, let's go to the review, and they still couldn't figure it out whether it, you know. That's, that's I mean, I've seen way, way, way worse calls. Than- okay. So you've seen way worse calls than that one. What do you guys think? Should it have been overturned? No, you can't overturn it. It's The call in the field was catch. It's a catch. I mean, you can't. There was no definitive angle for overturning this. And so that had to be. And I, I even saw, I will credit Art, first of all, the people from Boston, and we've been through this before, who attacked my colleague, L.E., are some of the worst people on planet Earth. This is not an attack on L.E. He knows nothing about football. And sorry if you're listening. Nothing. He's a photographer. He posted his photo of the Keelan Cole catch. It was an unbelievable photo. The best photo anybody got of it was his photo. And he posts it, and then people in Boston are just obliterating him. Showing your fandom again. You know, you know what you're shooting. Like, what? On you, you, the the names they were calling him for posting a photo. Like, like he was taking a side. He didn't even know what he didn't even know the significance of what he was posting. What is this under? Uh, he turned off the replies, and that's what they were. Then they really started going after him. Oh, you know what you're doing, Raider fan. Uh, I think it's left eye images left on eye Twitter. Images, yeah. yeah, and he posted it last night, and he had to turn off the replies because people were just so disgusting. And then the then they were so they were quote tweeting, and just attacking him in there, and it like he literally was just taking a photo and posting it. That's it. Oh, when you turn off comments, they all disappear. No. Apparently, I think so. Yeah, they no. all did. Yeah, there's no comments. It's the only photo with no comments, and he turned them off. Oh, so they do disappear. I think they do. Yeah. Or he deleted. I don't know. Somehow they were all gone because people were just so vile in the comment section. You know, it's funny on social media, they'll do that. I'll have to show you guys a TikTok video that I saw, of course. Um, there was kind of a big burly dude in Raiders gear, and he was walking up to Patriots fans. He walked up to probably like 10 different groups, and he's like, what do you think? Should that have been overturned on that touchdown? And they would start to say yes, and he'd be like, no one cares. F out of here. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, okay. They would just laugh like. Because he was too big to screw with. I'm like, this is great. Rub it in. So, my favorite part of the replay review, which is just such a such a great thing, and I don't know how many people have talked about this or noticed it. Do you know why that that call was not able to be overturned if it was out of bounds? Because the game was flexed. Because it wasn't on Sunday Night Football. There wasn't the multitude of cameras that there usually are. There's more cameras for the and big they, games. Yes. And they wouldn't There's have the pylon angle. There's a well, pylon? The, the pylon goes straight across, though. But th- they wouldn't have the one from behind. They wouldn't have the one that goes straight down the sideline from behind. So the, the camera oh, that, that everybody's that, seeing. That one that shoots up the sideline. That one that everybody's seeing is, is a bad angle. That's why it looks so clearly out. Right. Because it's a bad angle from where the middle of the end zone over. They would have a camera going straight down the sideline. So they would have been able to Woo! see almost definitively. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, if he was I in mean, or out. I mean, when I say pylon, but I'm saying it, it's equal to the sideline. Yeah, they definitely that. It, yeah. That's one of the new angles yeah. that there would have been for yeah. Sunday Night Football. Yeah, good. So because the it was NFL flexed, deserves the NFL deserves that potential embarrassment. Yeah. Um, you you screwed the Raiders. You screwed the city. You screwed the Las Vegas Bowl by putting that stupid Northeast Corridor game on, which then you also screwed that one up with your officials. Yes. They were even worse. So, good for the NFL. Good on the NFL. I'm looking at Ellie's 
shot, and I'm wondering how many – the caption, though, is how much that triggered the responses because – Right, but he wasn't – that's what I'm saying. He wasn't making a statement. It's factual. Well, he did make yeah. That was the call. He said stays in bounds by less than an inch to score. It, it, that had to have triggered some people. Like, he was making an opinion. He was just stating a fact. Yeah. Because if you look at the picture, that's what he did. Yeah. And if you look through the quote tweets, it's just a bunch of vile New England people who, again, I say this because I've dealt with this before. Um, and so, like, what – settle down. Settle down, people. Understand who you're going – how about go after your own – moron reporter. So you can read the quote tweets, you just can't read the replies. Yeah. How about your own moron reporter who took a shot at the turf at a, or at the grass at Allegiant Stadium saying how bad it was because it got tore up by the Las Vegas Bowl the day before when that was a different playing surface. Who was that? Mike Reese or Rice, whatever that Oh, we've guy. had Mike on before. Yeah. Mike's a sweetheart. Yeah. What's he doing? Yeah. Yeah. Clearly torn up from the Las Vegas Bowl yesterday. I wonder how it'll affect the footing. Well, let's let's take that part out. Why is it torn up so much? Do we need a cover on that thing, like a $300,000 cover? Yeah, we're getting one. Okay, good. Thank goodness. I was how, about no, how about no cover if it benefits the Raiders? Well, it'll come back on the Raiders at some point, the shoot-up field. You course, know what's so. wild is Paul Gutierrez and I were walking the field like we do, right? Paul from ESPN.com. When we came out of the tunnel, it was the very first thing that he made a comment about. And it was it, I don't know if it was that end zone, though. Was it that end zone? No, you guys come out the other one, I think. It the, looks torn the, up a the, lot. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, then where the there's a lot of times when you, go down, on, if you go down on the field in the end zone, it's just yeah. spray-painted dirt in yeah. the corner yeah, sometimes. It's not, it's not yeah. great. It's also December. Yeah. So so it was outside during the Las Vegas Bowl. Well, maybe two different turfs would be great. Or we need a cover. Or let's, you know, you can do it. You uh, you live in a, a, a much better uh, tax district. Why don't you guys down in high pay for uh, a cover for the stadium? Let's get working on that. Let's oh. get a roof. Why? We're the the tourists are paying for it. It's all <laughs> for us. It's all the tourists. It's all for us. You know, it's funny. I thought of the tourist thing last night. I, I don't know why I happened to look at a bill, but I was looking at a bill, and I was like, eh, sales tax, 8.38%. Because no one ever mentioned that one, that there was a jump in sales tax. After, oh, I know. Yeah, I'm well so. aware of that. Oh, no, no. The lo- lo- none of the locals paid for any of this. No, really, no. our sales tax went up. It's too. all for and you. It was, it, was, it was shortfalls for, uh, you know, more metro. The important stuff. Not that we're better. It's all for you. It's all working. It was funny. Uh, our buddy Tony Cordasco sent out a tweet uh, last week, and he's like, where are all the naysayers on the uh, the deal for oh, the stadium? And then I saw nothing. that uh, Shaw Tempesta, who I forget what group he's working for now, but he was over at uh, ABC locally, and he, he, he went at it with some, you know, why people, well, you do it too, why people argue with no names, anonymous people. On Twitter, but yeah, there was still a pretty, pretty almost big nothing makes me more angry than that. Somebody else, somebody's bringing it up again last week. Huh. Where is everybody? We're still here. Cofield and Company was so against the stadium. No, the stadium was we against, weren't. Was against the deal and the way it was the structured, way and, the deal was and structured. the way the and the way the whole thing is overseen. And uh, we'll we'll see this again when you know you just saw seven and a half million dollars in improvement in Allegiant, and I want it to be safer. And hopefully, the the misters are really good and put in all the bollocks. And the field probably does need a cover, um, but. There should be checks and balances. That's all. Yeah. If, you, we, if you just want to have an open pocketbook or wallet for everything when it comes to sports, well, then you can do that. We've seen it time you, and you, time you, again. you can approve of that. UNLV's schedule has to change. The Las Vegas Bowl has to change. We get nothing from any of the events that come here. That's what we were talking about. We've been proven right, and people are still coming after it. The events are still coming, so that's the most important part. But you can manage it. Of course. You can manage it. Wow, I can't believe uh, I can't believe they didn't realize that the guy Mike Reese didn't realize that 
They don't play on the grass all the time. Oh, people came after him real quick. What do you do? He's a pretty nice guy. I hope he. He actually just he actually just quote tweeted himself and said, "Oh, apparently it's a different surface. Still looks bad." I'm like okay, well it does. I know, but I but, but you know the original argument was yeah. you're playing too many games on this grass yeah. and that's why it's torn to hell. He's like watching Las Vegas Bowl yesterday. I was wondering how the field would hold up. Not well. Like okay, well, that's different field. It's it's real good. It's sitting out on a tray and yeah. it's artificial turf. Yeah. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Williams steps through, lays it up, no good. Oh my! And Giga Berea ran over EJ Harkless, and EJ grabbing his his hamstring, and no call. Are you kidding me? He absolutely ran over Harkless, who gets up holding his backside. He's okay. There you go, Ari. Always tells us. Loves, love, loves, love, love, loves Sam Smith. Uh, You hear John Sandler on the way back there. And a little bit of Curtis Terry. Rebels Radio Network from Learfield. Cofield, Adam. Hill. William Ramirez, Twin Peaks, getting ready for Monday Night Football. So not a great weekend for Rebel Basketball. It's been a really good start for both the ladies and the men's, but the women had a really tough time on the road on Sunday against Oklahoma State. And while the runner Rebels have been really good in execution in tighter moments in the games, that was not a good showing at the end as they got closed out 11 nothing. At the hands of San Francisco. You know, I was doing the TV call, and I kept saying early on, one, I thought that was going to be their toughest. Before the season, I thought it was going to be their toughest non-con matchup. Two, it was one of the rare teams that could actually match up with them with a couple of good bigs who could rebound. Although Zane Meeks, that was out of control. He's a good player. He's not, you know, he's not a freaking 15-14 guy, whatever he finished, 17-14 guy. But the more important part is lots of guards. If you have lots of guards... Then you can more easily deal with that three-level defense that UNLV basketball throws at you. And Elijah Parquet was out, their best defender. So they were um, San Francisco was able to keep the turnovers down a little bit. And the Rebels just did not play well offensively in the last five minutes. Yeah, uh, I, I was very uh, upset that I, had, I was covering the Las Vegas Bowl and not over at the Rebel game. So I didn't get to watch it, but I was, of course, following along and uh, watching at the very end, and uh, just I-, I thought for the most part, like I said, not being able to watch the whole game, just bits and pieces here and there, they were in control. They had the game. It's executing down the stretch. They had held uh, San Fran until the final five minutes, six to thirty from three. So they actually they kind of pushed them out where they were taking wild threes, off balance threes, and then San Francisco finally hit a bunch of them in a row, and UNLV just went really cold. And you know, a lot of the media would were asking Kevin Kruger, "Hey, do you call a timeout there?" Should you call a timeout when things aren't going well? And I guess the, the other part of it is it's early in the season. Maybe this is the time you kind of learn to get through things, and the coaches are also feeling things out as well. Yeah, I think that that seems to be probably more the the direction of, look, at some point we're not going to have a timeout. It's going to be late in the season. We're going to need to execute this, figure it out. And, you know, I think that's what a lot of coaches use non-conference games for. Now, in their case, they don't really have games to give away. Uh, some teams do. Some teams have the benefit of having a couple games where you can lose and learn lessons from them. They really are not in that kind of position. So it's a little bit different, but I, I did get the feeling it was more, look, guys, 
you sometimes you have to figure it out. Sometimes you just have to do it and and learn. And you know, you can go out, go over it after the game and say, "This week you're done. You could have done this. You're in this position. If we don't have a timeout or we're in this spot, this is the adjustment you have to make." And um, that's where it is. And I think you know, in retrospect, maybe he would have done it differently. But uh, I do think you're trying to you're trying to let your team learn some lessons and figure some things out for themselves because not all the time are you going to be in that same position where you actually have timeouts. Kashawn Gilbert, their guard, their sophomore guard, is one of the most, you know, ten or ten most improved players in the country. But he had some moments where he looked like a young guy. He threw a really bad pass inside of five minutes, like from a double team to the free throw line. Not good. Well, there's times then, he looked like Keyshawn Gilbert of last year. He did, and he got caught in the air a couple of times. Um, he took a three earlier in the game where he wasn't set. And the final shot, didn't love it. Didn't love it. Yeah. With 7.2 seconds left, I think there's something you can get closer going to the basket when you're down two. Um, surprisingly, San Fran didn't foul. Let him get off a three, but it was like a 27-foot three-pointer on the move. Yeah, not, not the shot you want, I don't think, in that situation. Um, but, again you got to learn. And they haven't really been in those types of situations this year. They haven't had to come down to the wire and get a shot at the end. And, uh, again, lesson a lesson that you have to you know, take from it and say, all right, that's not the shot you want. You have to try to get to the rim. You have to try to get something moving closer, uh, get a better look at something. And, you know, that's, that, that is something that's probably going to stick with him. And next time he's in that position, he's going to remember it. I would guess they're going to be shorthanded without Parquet, probably through the San Diego State game. So their next three games coming up are – this Wednesday, check that Thursday, against Southern Miss. Then after Christmas, they go to San Jose, which you got to get fired up for that game on your own because there's no crowd there. And San Jose is a little bit better than they've been. And then San Diego State on New Year's Day, I think it's a one o'clock tip. So and they they come right out of the gates at San Jose, home San Diego State. It's New Year's Eve. What did I say? New Year's Day. Yeah. New Year's Eve. You're right. New Year's Eve, and then. They get a week off, and then they go at New Mexico. And New Mexico just beat that San Francisco team. So they actually, after starting out 10-0, and they actually could come out at 1-2. and I don't think they're going to lose at San Jose State, but they could come out of the gates 1-2 and in the Mountain West Conference. It's possible. And I'm telling you, the Mountain West is deep. Yeah, there's a lot of tough games there. A lot of, a lot of teams that are better than people expected, including that New Mexico team that not a lot of people thought were going to be this good, and they're really good. There's a, I think there's a good chance if everyone doesn't cannibalize each other too much, because of where the net rankings sit right now in Ken Palm, that three teams can make the NCAA tournament from the conference, maybe four. And then we'll see what they do in the tournament. they got to do a much better job in the NCAA tournament than the conference did a year ago. So there's some depth, and I think there's some teams in this conference that can be dangerous in the tournament. Can we get back to the NFL here and talk about what's happened with two of the divisions in this league? Both of the Souths. Oof. I love, I love that Steve Wilkes, we talked about this last week, has a chance to freaking really screw things up, right, after getting almost no time in Arizona. And then the AFC South, talk about that picture and how bad it is. Yeah, I mean, they're, it's, it's a mess, and the Titans are – leaking oil and yet somehow holding on to the division and the Jaguars have a chance to upset them. I know I was talking to some people today about uh, the Jaguars being another team that the Raiders don't have a tiebreaker against. If they keep making a run, uh, they have that loss to them. 
earlier in the season, in the game they led by 17 points, and the response was, they're going to win the division, which I think is actually true. I think they're going to win, although that complicates things because the Titans also have a tiebreaker potentially over uh, the Raiders because they beat them earlier in the season. But, yeah, it's a mess. But the, the AFC South has been awful against teams not in the AFC South. 11-29. and 29. They're 11-29 and 29 against in non-divisional games. And three of those victories have come against the Raiders. The Raiders lost to Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Indianapolis. And one was one was at home. And they led Jacksonville by 17, lost. Led Tennessee, or excuse me, led Indianapolis in that back and forth ridiculous game. Jeff Saturday's first, which by the way, what a mess he is. Didn't get the victory. And had the ball at the end of the Tennessee game. It could have, could have tied it, but didn't. Can I go back to one of the dumbest arguments that I've had on Sports Talk Radio that I still remember? That's the key. I think it was late 2000 or early 2001, and I don't I don't know if the guy's still alive or not. Uh, Len Pascarelli came on, who was an NFL insider for ESPN, and I was expressing back then when they switched to the four division alignment, I was like, "This sucks. This is gonna suck. There's gonna be years where." There's a division winner that is terrible. It actually hasn't happened that often, but it is always troubling when you see best wild card, you know, with the new schedule with 17 games, you know, best wild card, 11 and 6, division winner in the four hole, 9 and 8, home team. And that's what we're going to have with the AFC South. Yeah, for sure. But I think, I think, it's not going to be a big gap, but it's going to be, you're going to look at whoever it is, the Titans or the Jaguars, and go, they're getting a home game really against the five. But I, but I love what it does for scheduling. So, I mean, I, I think it works in that way. What do you way. mean? In terms of it, it sets out perfectly for three, you know, six divisional games. you got three, the home-and-homes against teams in your division. You play another division in the opposite conference. You play the team that finishes in the same exact spot as you in every other division. So, I think it works out really well with the, the way they want to schedule with 32 teams. Do you feel good about the 7-10 and 10 Buccaneers, Panthers, Saints, or Falcons going to the playoffs? No, it's not ideal. But there's there's times it works out the other way too, where you know you have you have a really really tough division, and it, it you know you should just, you should be rewarded you should be rewarded for winning a division like that, even if your record isn't great because you you have to fight through those teams in your division, and that's not the case with this these divisions. But I think division winners should be rewarded. If Brady makes the playoffs with this Buccaneers team, is he coming back? Not there. Not there. Definitely. Hundred percent now. Al Breer said it last week that he wasn't going to come back to the Buccaneers, and he named familiar spots for Brady that would yeah. be desirable, like San Francisco and here. Yeah. Well, there's a – I'll say that there's a national show that is very well connected in the Raiders building that has basically said it's done, that he's coming to the Raiders. So I think that's where a lot of people are building. Well, who, who's the national show? McAfee. Oh, McAfee said it? Yeah, and McAfee's producer, people that don't know, McAfee's producer – is the son of the Raiders special teams coach. Oh, okay. So, And this was already done. Yeah. It was done the last time around, too. Done in the past. Right? It was done. John Gruden turned it down. I don't know if Dana White was the one who got it done, but John Gruden's the one who blew it up. Brady was coming. Absolutely. So are you ready to go back on the is he or is he not Brady beat like you were last time around? Tracking him at USC fights anytime he's around Vegas? As soon as the season's over, I'm on it. Right, is that your beat? Yep. <laughs> well, you didn't dislike it last time. You love the attention you got from it last time. It was fun. Four o'clock hours on the way. More of the uh, Raiders' miraculous come. What was it? Lateral damage? Lateral damage. I don't know.